This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Today, Kanye West storms out on Tim Pool. A Biden official is charged with felony theft, and Elon Musk may release Twitter files on free speech suppression. We've got all of that and more coming up, and it all starts right now. Welcome to the news and why it matters. I am Sarah Gonzalez. I feel like that the ending of that song is just like uh, it just goes and it keeps going and it keeps going and it keeps going. But there's a little birdie out there who has told not Twitter birdie. I'm talking about a little birdie within the studio who has informed me that all of that might be changing very soon. And by might, I mean it will. I just don't have a timeline <laughs> for you yet. So stay tuned for that. Uh, I'm joined today by Alex Stein, Blaze TV host of Primetime with Alex Stein. And John Doyle, Blaze TV contributor and also host of Heck Off Commie. Yes. Which, and you look very <laughs> dapper today. Thank you. Yes. And I also have posted recently. So we've I, I broken our drought. That. No, yeah. you couldn't. <laughs> so go check out the brand new content over at Heck Off Commie. Make sure you subscribe while you're there. You're welcome, John. You can pay me later. Okay. <laughs> um, so last night, um, I there were what when I joined, there were ninety nine thousand people watching the live stream of uh, Tim Cast IRL over with Tim Pool. There was Nick Fuentes, Kanye West, and Milo Yiannopoulos. And Kanye, of course, Tim said, "I'll give you a platform to come." talk about all of this recent controversy, say what you need to say. And Kanye um, stormed out, I think, what was it, like 27 minutes in? It was not long. It was not long. And he stormed out after uh, Tim Pool. I think Kanye was the one who actually brought it up. And Tim Pool, I think, pushed back a little bit on what uh, people are calling anti-Semitic views. And let me play this exchange. Watch. And when, when I found out that they tried to put me in jail, it was like a dog was biting my arm and I, 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 I almost shed a tear, almost. But I still walked in stride through it. Yeah. I, I, think, I think they've been extremely unfair to you. I think. Who is they though? We can't say who they is, can we? I'm not using the, I don't use the word as the, as the way I guess you, you guys use, I'm, I'm talking about- It is about them though, isn't it? I mean, because, <laughs> no. and, and because when you think <laughs> about it, consider it. In 2018- What do you mean it's not? It, what, what do I mean like, uh, uh, okay, so how about, are you leaving? Are you afraid of the press? He's gone. Oh, not a good look for Kanye. I feel as Tim. I look. I want to. I want to hear your opinions, gentlemen. But I didn't. I felt like Kanye was trying to put those words in Tim Pool's mouth, and Tim Pool was trying to say, no, 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 no. no. When you're saying, th- when I'm saying they, I'm not meaning the same they that you're meaning. So I just want to clarify. You're here to give your viewpoint, and I'm allowing you to do that, but I'm just giving my viewpoint. Um, and yay, storms out. Really awkward moment. What's, what say you? 
Well, you know, I mean, when they say they, quote unquote, that's like the royal we. So I don't believe Tim and Kanye were talking about the same they. They weren't. They weren't, you know. So that's, Which is, I think, what Tim was trying to explain and clarify. Exactly right. And, you know, me, as the biggest guest that's going on Tim Pool this week, I'll be on Thursday night, way bigger than Kanye. My views will be way bigger, but uh, <laughs> don't worry about that. My point being is, obviously, Kanye is a huge guest, and he has to capitulate to him a little different than he would to me, right? But there's an hour before the interview where you yeah. talk, and you kind of hang out, and you get to know him and I'm just guessing this just as a friend of Tim as a person who's been on the show and as a person that likes Kanye I'm guessing that's where they had some sort of beef because in the interview he said he called out Tim he said oh I'd be good for the black vote so it looked like there was already heat well, before the interview I'll, in my opinion well I'll, okay so I'll tell you this because I did watch quite a bit of, mm -hmm. of this after Kanye stormed out and there was one part where Tim actually said I wish we had filmed the the meeting beforehand because none of the what he said it was great mm -hmm. none of this came up like we talked about other things we were talking about yay 2024 and so i really wish that we had just filmed that because that was a much better exchange than what happened here yeah, this was a really good opportunity for everybody, and it's tough to see how anybody could walk away from it feeling satisfied, because yeah. if you're, you know, the Kanye West campaign team, this is a huge media hit opportunity for you to come on, pitch your campaign, try to get your ideas into the mainstream, and uh, it didn't exactly seem to fare out too well for them in that capacity. And also, if you're Tim Pool, I mean, this is a big opportunity for you. You've got a huge guest, probably one of the biggest, probably the biggest the guest biggest. you've ever had on, but at the same time, it's like, who really has the leverage there? I mean, Tim Pool getting the Kanye West interview is huge, but him losing that isn't exactly going to take him down from basically like A-list media status. Right. I mean, everybody yeah. wants to get on Tim Pool. This isn't going to break him. He's already been made. He's like solidified. Whereas Kanye West is also a huge star, but within the media realm. Yeah. He has to find a way to translate that into a political sphere. And when he's coming on to, you know, Tim Pool, which is probably one of the biggest shows other than like cable television, for your base, people who are sympathetic mm -hmm. at least to right-wing ideas, your job is to be palatable to those people. And and yeah, you know, you probably do have the clout to be able to walk out on those interviews, but it's like you are in a different sphere now and you're going to have to kind of adjust your conduct if you want to be successful in that sphere. So I think they probably could have prepared a little bit better for that. Yeah, because it's like, I mean, if you want to be president is what the, the objective is, right? Tell me, convince me that you can go to a meeting with, you know, Xi Jinping and China and be diplomatic and professional if you can't go on Tim Pool and last longer than, you know, a half an hour before you just walk out because someone hurt your feelings. And, and that's the thing, you know, you can say like, oh, well, we're going to run a campaign of no BS. We're not tolerating these. I think he called it like a hit job or something. I watched the footage. It didn't exactly seem that way. I feel no. like people who are working in right wing media probably have a pretty good uh, barometer to detect when something is a hit job. But also there's a lot of, you know, those sorts of things on our side too. people setting each other up for things like that. But the bottom line is if you are going to have ideas that are on the fringe, that are edgy, and the system is the way that it is, you're gonna have to try to play ball. You're gonna have yes. to come in and be like, okay, my job in this interview is to normalize my ideas in the mainstream. And maybe I'm gonna have to be tactical with how I present those ideas. Maybe I'm gonna be, have to be tactical with how I interact with the other people. But that was the objective. That was their win condition and they didn't meet it. And uh, it actually gave pretty good opportunity for everybody in you know more mainstream establishment right-wing media. And then of course, all the left-wing media to paint people now who are claiming to be more right-wing, more Christian than Trump, people who want to be pro-America, America first nationalists, paint those people as basically like low IQ, mentally ill people. And mm -hmm. that's like now the consciousness that has been solidified for those types of ideas because of these types of appearances. You know, Kanye also strikes me as someone who has, is just constantly being gaslit 
by, mm -hmm. you know, uh, his, I don't know, the Kardashians, the media, all of these people. I mean, I, look, he's, I don't, I wouldn't consider him a very stable individual. <laughs> no. But, there, but he has spoken out about a lot of things, including abortion and uh, all of the disgusting things that go on in Hollywood. And I feel like they gaslight him and they make him sound like he's the crazy one. I mean, take all of the, the stuff that he's called out about Hollywood and just that fashion industry. And then we get, we, we're talking about Balenciaga and yeah. all of this weird stuff that's going on with them. And I feel like Kanye's over there like, guys, this is what I'm trying to talk about, but you people think that I'm crazy. I, maybe it's because his delivery is like a little bit crazy. Well, you nailed it. And I was talking to John before this, because listen, I, I think now when you put Kanye and he has to actually express his views, and especially these views are dark, they're hard to articulate yeah. a lot of them. You know, it's not very You sound easy. like a conspiracy theorist. Exactly, you know, so it's hard to articulate. If I was managing Kanye or giving him advice, not that I would be the one to give anybody advice, but I think that his music, he's such an incredibly talented artist. I feel like he could use his music to expose a lot of these subjects by actually mm -hmm. talking about it in his three-minute song, then a two-hour podcast on Tim Pool that doesn't fit his unique skill set so for me I just see him like on these interviews how is he going to be president if he can't even hang in an interview for 30 minutes yeah and it was a really tough position because he's been through so much in the last yeah. five years mm -hmm. and especially within the last few months and you can see that kind of hurts in yep. his eyes yep. not saying he looks weak but yeah. you can tell this guy has been through a lot mm -hmm. and so he's on the defense it's extraordinarily right. difficult for him to be in this position and to then need to have the patience that must be requisite to then deal with like yeah. trying to easier so it just really sucks but you know if he had gone in there and said look we all saw the Balenciaga ads or something. I have an empire of clothing. I know how this business works. Tell me why, Tim, there has been more cumulative outrage against me and against Dave Chappelle for our comments about Jewish presence in mm -hmm. high-level positions mm -hmm. of power than there has been about these companies exploiting children, mm -hmm. drag queens, or all this stuff. So are you telling me that we're supposed to believe that like there is more agreement that you can't criticize this group of people than there is that you're not supposed to sexually exploit children? Tim would have been like, interesting point. His audience would have been like, interesting mm -hmm. point. Yeah. There is a way to go about that, and it doesn't seem like he had the patience, which is an extraordinary amount of patience he would have had to have, but it just didn't seem like he had it. Yeah. Um, so I want to, now that we're kind of on the, the same vein of talking about all of the disgusting sexual exploitation that's happening to children in that industry, uh, is fascinating when you talk about the Balenciaga scandal, because yesterday, uh, The View was complaining that the Balenciaga ad that was featured, you know, featuring the children and the bondage teddy bears and all of this stuff that we've been talking about at great lengths lately, they said it fueled the far-right groomer narrative. And then they were like, oh, by the way, the photos are so distasteful, we can't show them. Watch. <laughs> What's I, going on here? I found this ad campaign particularly distasteful um, in this moment. So there's this, there's growing anti-LGBTQ sentiment right now. And it, how it's being is framed is as is she the portraying, you know, trans new? people okay. as groomers. This is a term you'll hear on the far right. They're groomers. This is where you get the anti-drag queen stuff that we're right. seeing. So Balenciaga played right into their hands queen. by having kids <laughs> in a sexualized manner carrying something that represents, you know, sex acts. I think it was a really bad misstep at a moment where it's just kind of a dangerous time to even give credence to those kind of insane takes. Yeah, I mean, we can't even show the picture because it's so distasteful. But what's also very distasteful is like Balenciaga lately, I mean, their stuff is just ugly. Oh, that's what oh. we need to be talking about. I mean, we're talking about, you know, child exploitation, but we want to really talk about, oh, that's, that's just ugly. Ew. I'm so much better than that and so much classier than that. Wow. That's really tasteful.
Yeah, and I'm not even a fashion expert, but a lot of Balenciaga's fashion is about like making like, you know, household like ASICs and then making it like artistic. So it's kind of like a tongue in cheek, what normal people like, and then giving it the glitz and glamour, making it expensive. And that's kind of what like these ads did. It's kind of like a dog whistle. Like the normal person wouldn't know that that is a Supreme Court document talking about the normalization of child porn. But they do, like these elitists, the dude, the people that can afford this, they get the inside joke. So, you know, exposing these people, Balenciaga, they deserve what is coming for them but I, like I said like the view defending them and they're never gonna have any sort of repercussions for this this will only help them and give them more clout the lack of self-awareness you have to have to be like oh my gosh these far-right conspiracy theorists they take they take out anything and they claim <laughs> that we're trying to sexually exploit children oh but by the way we can't show these pictures yeah you could so easily do an ad or a story time where there's some like dude in like a Vineyard Vines pullover just reading a book to a child and he's gay. But for some reason, it is like impossible for these people to not only stay away from children, but to stay away from children in a sexual capacity. They just have to keep doing this. And conservatives are over here like, well, stop it. You know, we don't want you to do that. And then the left is like, oh, you're saying you don't want gay people to sexualize children? What are you, like homophobic? And we're like, like, well, no, because not all gay people are sexual deviants. And the left is like, yes, they are. And so they seem to actually have a better understanding, frankly, of gay culture than the right does. And there's a very interesting psychological literature that explored for so many decades what exactly causes this type of uh, behavior to develop in people and what it always is is grooming it is always some sort of disruption in the natural development of a young boy or a young girl's masculine or feminine uh, feminine feminine identity respectively speaking and that's just kind of the problem that we're going to have to wake up to is that normal people reproduce by creating you know people through sex through marriage gay people tend to reproduce by grooming children that is simply a fact all of the literature is there and the right needs to just identify that type of transgression for what it is because we want to talk about okay they're targeting our kids well no we're not trying to say it's a problem with gay people at a certain point it's like there are people who cannot for the life of themselves stop themselves from doing this and even when there are people like the gays against groomer person who's going on tucker saying we have to not do this she's now being canceled for for suggesting that so this is so competential to that culture i think we just need to call balls and strikes call it what it is and uh, fix it. Well, it is fascinating. Um, I'm gonna, I'll give you last word on this, Alex. It's fascinating to me because to John's point, anytime I, I'll, ex- like we go to these events mm-hmm. and I'll expose something and it's very disgusting and sexual and I'm just like, the sexual indoctrination and abuse of children should stop. And they're, and they're the ones who are like, how dare you, that's homophobic. And I'm like, well, if you're the one who's suggesting that, all, that it's just gay people, that's your words, not mine. So I, okay. Sure. Yeah, well, that's exactly right. It's like, you know, who gets affected by the word groomer? Just the people that have the most outrage. You're like, well, aren't you the one that's the groomer? But no, I, I think for me, what was really glaring too is the conservative voice, whether her name was Fair or Hannah, I don't know, but how she said the anti drag queen. We're not anti-drag queen. We're anti-drag queen story time for children. We don't want the sexual indoctrination of our children. So it's just the rhetoric they use makes us look bad when really and truly they're the ones that are defending the biggest fashion company in the world, basically using, you know, child exploitation, showing them holding, you know, teddy bears with bondage, BDSM, sexual stuff. It doesn't make sense in order to be artistic or edgy. That is not cool. And it's getting exposed. But like I just said earlier, I, I almost think this helps Balenciaga, sadly. I, I'm going to disagree with you no. only because I have to remain a little bit optimistic about our yeah. society or I'm just going to curl into a fetal position and cry. No. Um, all right, we we got to take another quick break. First, we want to thank our sponsor, Birch Gold. So, guys, I, I don't, I don't feel like I have to tell you this because if you're looking at your 401ks and stuff, you already see this, but inflation is a 
it's going to continue to be a huge plague on our economy and our savings. And uh, the left isn't going to stop spending anytime soon. They're just going to exacerbate the problem. So what you need to do, I'm just telling you, please look into diversifying in to gold and silver, and you can hedge against that inflation with gold from Birch Gold. They've got almost 20 years experience converting all these IRAs and 401ks that you have into precious metals IRAs. They can help you. All you need to do is text the word Y to 989898. They're going to send you a free info kit on diversifying into gold. There's no obligation, so there's no reason not to do it. Do not allow the left to continue to devalue your savings. Text that word Y, W-H-Y, to 989898. No obligation, free information kit. Text the word Y to 989898. Sam Britton, the uh, beautiful, beautiful official over at the Department of Energy's Office of Nuclear Energy, and of course you may remember him as one of the first non-binary officials over in the Biden administration, has been charged with stealing a woman's designer suitcase from the baggage claim over at the Minneapolis-St. Paul Airport in September. Now, uh, he apparently initially denied taking the luggage, this is Vera, Vera Bradley luggage, um, worth $2,325. And he told police officers, if I've taken the wrong bag, I'm happy to return it, but I don't have any clothes for another individual. That was my clothes when I opened the bag, which, uh, <laughs> let's see, turned out to be completely untrue and a lie. According to court documents, two hours after the call with authorities, he called back and was like, uh, actually, I've not been completely honest with you and admitted to, he says, he accidentally took the suitcase from the baggage claim carousel due to exhaustion. Um, but then they found the survey. Surveillance footage cl uh, clearly indicates otherwise because he took a, uh, the, the, the bag from the baggage carousel. He removed the tag and put the bag tag in the handbag that he was carrying and then left the area <laughs> at what they say was a quick pace. So this is, these are really, really great individuals. Look, I don't, do you guys even think that this is going to um, damage his, like, are they going to fire him? Is he going to get demoted? Is he, because I think I'm like, if you can dress up as a woman and wear heels and, and then be accused of all of this, there was the BDSM stuff that he was into um, that surfaced a couple months ago. Like, if you can do all of these things and the Biden administration has no shame being like, yes, this is someone in our administration. What's a little felony going to hurt? Yeah, sadly, I don't think it will. I mean, like I said, like with Balenciaga, kind of helped them. What is it? No pu publicity is bad publicity. Once again, this is a, it's a uh, public relations nightmare for most people, but for Sam Britton. Well, when you don't have morals, which the Biden matter. administration doesn't, right? If you don't have morals and values, what, what do you care? Yeah, and the fact that he's a liar, ooh, big surprise. I mean, he literally lies about what gender he is. So, yeah, I mean, I, I don't think this guy could tell the truth to save his life. Yeah, plus, like, the types of things that this person is into are more offensive yeah. and bizarre than theft. Theft has been going yeah. on since, like, the year one, or yeah. BC or whatever. And this is very new. Well, not new, but new in at least our lifetimes. And uh, so, and also, like, the way that he's conducting himself in general is not offensive to the Biden regime. This is actually what they're in favor of. Even with the theft, the Biden regime not only will appoint people or contain people within its coalition who refuse to prosecute theft in major cities, mm -hmm. but they also steal from us in terms mm -hmm. of taking our tax dollars and then just 
peeing it away on the stupidest things, rewarding their friends, outputting patronage to their friends, other countries, but then also simultaneously implementing monetary policy that devalues whatever currency we have left. So they're totally pro uh, that type of behavior, totally pro theft. And so, yeah, of course he's going to keep his job. Yeah, that's a great point. Well, and, and I also want to make this point. You know, he actually toured colleges as a kink expert. Before this, I don't know if you know that, but that's what he did. Yeah. Which obviously makes him very qualified to work in the Department of Nuclear Waste. 100%. Oh, yeah, it makes him overqualified, <laughs> I could argue. But there's something weird and kinky about stealing somebody's clothes and underwear. You know, there's something weird. Oh, and that's his fetish? You I'm get this is all fetish. Because, like, he, oh, he wants a $2,000 bag. Yeah, right. He, like, wants that person's underwear. There's just something very weird and sinister and gross. You don't just take somebody's bag because you like it. They're, he probably wanted to dress up in the dresses inside. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. That's... Would you like to know a conspiracy theory of mine? Uh, please. Do you like know what you're talking uh, Yes, to? please. I fully believe that the reason we haven't seen more conversation shifting us towards nuclear energy, which would be the only viable yeah. if you wanted to get off your yeah. carbon yeah. things, yep. is because the people who pull the strings in this country know that they don't want to blow up the world, and they also are very aware of what they're doing in terms of importing people from the third world by the millions and millions and millions every year, and staffing the administration with people like this. They know that we can't have, like, what is he in charge of? The Secretary of Nuclear Yeah, waste. Nuclear Waste. Yeah. That guy can't be trusted with dealing with that type of content, like, seriously, in a large, grand capacity. I, I, I seriously think that that's nuclear why we energy, haven't done that. sorry. Yeah, because, you know, if you have that guy in charge of, like, making sure that things don't, you know, I mean, he couldn't, you know, I don't know. I don't know. That's just a theory of mine. I like it. Well, that's what they do, the false flag attack. So they have him mess up the whole nuclear system. They're like, oh, well, now we got to use windmills and batteries. <laughs> and then they, yeah, so he messes up the whole system. Mm -hmm. We take out like a third of the consonants. And then Sarah Gonzalez just reads the story like this is something that happened. And then they weaponize the post 9-11 DOJ legal infrastructure to crack down on American pages. You are, what is it, stochastic terrorism against uh, marginalized communities for like accurately reporting on an event. And then they come... They raid the Blaze Studios. We all go out in handcuffs. It'll be I fun. I, no, I don't want that ending. If that ending could not happen, that would be great. Um, okay. I want to move to uh, the CDC. So another, of course, corrupt government agency, just like, oh, I don't know, all of them. Uh, so according to CDC data, chest pain and other cardiac symptoms that could indicate myocarditis and pericarditis are completely missing. They were left off of the V-Safe survey checkboxes that are used by the CDC to monitor adverse events. So they would have to, if you're going through and filling this out, you have to go down to the other field and uh, write in cardiac symptoms, which you can only count, I believe it's 250 characters. Um, you can only write up to that much for it to even be counted. So this data was revealed in a lawsuit brought by the Informed Consent Action Network. And they're still trying to compel the agency to turn over the free text field data on these cardiac symptoms. So they have not yet turned over what people listed when they even listed other. Um, but they, of course, limited all of these checkboxes to very minor symptoms like fatigue, um, you know, oh, your pain at the injection site, all of these minor things where they could go, well, the adverse events are mostly just minor. They're just very rare that you would get a blood clot, but, but probably don't take this particular brand because it's really, <laughs> it's, it is giving the blood clots. And, oh, well, wait, also, pro well, we don't want to tell you that. So we'll tell you in about 75 years um, when we, you know, we're, we're going to drag this out. Um, it's just, it's really, I can't think of a, a greater scam on the American public than, than this, than all, all of it, mm -hmm. all of it. Because you go back to the emails that uh, you know, we, we have from Dr. Fauci 
at the very beginning, clearly there were things, there were conversations that were happening that indicated that they knew more about this than they let on to the American public. Yeah, it's called the Hegelian dialectic. They had a problem, reaction, solution. The solution was always free, mandatory vaccines, but they had to create a reaction that got everybody scared to death. So they're able to do that with something that has existed. SARS, sudden acute respiratory syndrome, and MERS, Middle Eastern respiratory syndrome, have, have existed for years. Mm. And they're basically able to weaponize the 2020 flu season, which was normal and probably you know worse than normal, excuse me, into such a fear-based, trauma-based mind control that everybody went out and tried an experimental vaccine that was only tested on eight mice. So uh, I'm not surprised, and there will be a time when we can speak more freely about that. And when that time comes, I'll be happy because still, sadly, I'm still afraid to express how I truly feel about the vaccine. Well, that, and that's that's the new one. So the old one, um, the original one, yeah, I yeah. should say, they're like, yeah, if you're pregnant, you should get it. You should totally get it. You're breastfeeding, you mm -hmm. should get it. There were absolutely not, not I mean, mice aside, no experiments on whether or not that was going to pass through, um, how badly, if it was going to go away. And they, they were just like, yeah, take all of it. And now they're trying to cover their tracks by not listing any of these serious side effects as, uh, you know, an adverse reaction. Well, yeah. I just want to say this. No allergic reaction is what they said. <laughs> safe and effective that you are not allergic to this. It's impossible. 100% safe and effective. Never happened in the course of human history, but now it did. Yeah, that's why I never quite resonated with a lot of the anti-China sentiment we were seeing from the right, you know, China lied, people died, things like that. Because ultimately it was our government not only doing this to us, but for no good reason. Like it would make sense if everything they were saying about this were true and then we could point the finger at China. But all of the numbers were like completely unalarming. Everything that they said was gonna happen didn't happen. It was basically just like another variance of, you know, the seasonal flu. And then all of this had to happen because of our government. Mm -hmm. And then a lot of, you know, more establishment types, rhinos wanna be like, oh, this is China's fault. And people are like, yeah, Chai comms. And it's like, no, the people you voted for are the people who did this to you. Mm -hmm. and, and tried to cover it up by like, oh, there was no gain of function yeah. research. We didn't, we didn't send money to the Wuhan lab. It's that cumulative tyranny that we live under between the media, between the government, between the corporations all coming together. And, you know, because if the media didn't cover it, this never would have become a huge thing. So they all knew what they were doing. It was yep. all planned. And then they mm -hmm. want to point the blame at like some country that people don't even know where it is on a map, probably. Right, right. Um, by the way, as we're talking about all of this COVID stuff, just uh, want to let everyone know that Twitter has apparently dropped its COVID-19 misinformation uh, policy that it was previously using to keep people from spreading misinformation that turned out to be true like six to 12 months later over on their platform. So go crazy over on Twitter. <laughs> Say whatever the hell you want about COVID. It, it is now allowed under Elon Musk. Uh, all right, we've got to, uh, we got to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Like they say, YouTube is getting more lenient with it, but still, I'm afraid to say. We're talking about Elon Musk. Um, yesterday, on the, on this topic, Elon Musk teased forthcoming files that will reveal how and why Twitter suppressed certain accounts at the expense of free speech. He tweeted out, the Twitter files on free speech suppression soon to be published on Twitter itself. The public deserves to know what really happened. And uh, last week, he was responding to another tweet from a Newsmax producer who said that Elon should publicize Twitter's internal discussions to censor the New York Post Hunter Biden laptop story over in, what was it, October of 2020. And Musk responded, this is necessary to restore public trust. So... 
We'll be waiting on pins and needles for all of these files to be um, uploaded to Twitter. Um, on this topic, I want to get your thoughts, gentlemen, but I want to throw in Corinne Jean-Pierre, who is, of course, we know, the White House press secretary, the best White House press secretary mm -hmm. that we've ever had. She's um, thoughtful. She's poignant. She's insightful. She always knows just what to say without referencing the binder that's in front of her. Just eloquent amazing. I think she learned from Kamala Harris, probably, or maybe Joe Biden himself. Who knows? But she was talking about uh, Twitter, and she says that the White House promises to keep an eye on that pesky Twitter after uh, Elon promised to allow that ugh, disgusting free speech. Watch. Elon Musk says there's more and more uh, subscribers coming online. Are you concerned about that? And what tools oh, no. do you have? Who is it at the White House that is really keeping track of this? So look, this is something that we're certainly uh, keeping an eye on. And uh, mm. look, um, we, you know, yes. we have always been very clear, okay. um, and that uh, when it comes to social media platforms, it mm -hmm. is their responsibility uh, to make sure that um, when it comes to misinformation, when we when we comes to the hate that we're seeing, oh. uh, that they they take action, that they continue uh, to take action. Again, mm. we're all keeping a close eye on this. We're all uh, uh, monitoring uh, what's what's currently uh, occurring, mm -hmm. and uh, we see, you know, we see it with our own eyes of, of what you all are reporting and just for, for ourselves what's happening on, on Twitter uh, but again social media companies have a responsibility to prevent their platforms uh, from being used by mm. any user uh, to incite violence especially violence uh, directed at individual communities mm. this is by the way just as a reminder coming to you from the same party who said that Donald Trump incited an insurrection when he called for people to peacefully and patriotically make their voices heard uh, where their grievances were. So just, just a reminder. And oh, and by the way, she did slide in when she said, well, we, they need to make, we need to monitor for misinformation and also for hate. Yeah. Okay, what qualifies as hate? I'd love to know. Well, hate speech should exist if because there's bad stuff that we should hate, like pedophiles, you know. So, uh, you know, th that is a part of free speech, in my opinion. Also, hate speech should exist because, like, it's free who speech. Cares? Yeah, like, that's it, what right. I'm saying. Like, of it's course, it's not yeah, going to hurt you yeah. if someone is a bad person and says something you don't like. Get over it. Of course, no, of course. But you know, it's all been exposed that the Department of Homeland Security is all in cahoots with the social media companies anyway, so that they give yeah. us the impression, oh, we can just say what we want, do what we want. Yeah, right. They're monitoring all this. But I like how the reporter was shook. She's scared. Yeah, you know, yeah. so that. That's what I like. What are you going to do about these <laughs> new subscribers logging onto Twitter? She didn't even know how to ask the question. She's like, oh, there's new subscribers. What are you guys monitoring? Like, she wants to be like, are you guys scared to death? More people are getting on and they can say whatever they want. Ah! That's what she wants to say, but she can't say that. Because they know how powerful censorship is. Like, any time throughout history, literally, that left-wing ideas have gone up against right-wing ideas, if it's in a fair playing field, the right-wing ideas always win because these are terrible ideas. They're coming from, like, these just dysgenic weird freaks that's why they need censorship that's why they don't have like you were talking about how cunning mm -hmm. these people are with language mm -hmm. they can't assert power by being like i am strong and mighty and my ideas are smart they have to be like hey what if we had like free speech or something and then you're like oh that sounds like a good idea and then you let them into the universities and the media and then they take over they kick you out like that's how leftists take power every single <laughs> yeah. time so that's why they have to keep us off of social media by painting us as these like saturday morning villains you know we just are hateful people in terms of political discourse we all know this the most vicious people 
people are always on the left every single time. The nicest people are actually the people who are like the most extreme right wing people because they're so used to just being crapped on all the time and so used to being shut out. They're like begging, can you please just read this article I sent you, please? I promise it. I know it sounds crazy, but just please read it. I, I promise you'll like it. They're like the nicest people. And it's actually uh, the left, believe it or not, who are the hypocrites in this situation. They are the meanest. They are the most vicious people. Well, they are. And uh, but I just want to hammer home the, the point that you just made, like they they can never defend their ideas. Mm-hmm. That's the only reason they want this shut down. I yeah. mean, what what other possible possible reason could it be? Because if 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 we're the hate mongers and we're the horrible people and mm-hmm. we have no basis for what we're saying, wouldn't you want us to continue having that freedom of speech so you could show all of the sane, reasonable people? Like, look how stupid they are. Yeah. They can't even back anything up. Mm-hmm. Instead, they're like, oh my God, we don't want them to say anything because we can't defend yeah. our own ideas. And they want to like play this childlike game where, because if you say something that's like wrong or stupid, it would take three seconds to be like, here's why that's wrong, right. X, Y, Z. Right. Mm-hmm. Especially where they think that they are so correct that what you're saying is actually like offensive and laughable because it is so far off. Okay, prove it. Right. I mean, you control all of the media, all the institutions, just do it, yeah. just just say it, but they can't. So they want to play this game where it's like, I'm gonna like take this word and I'm gonna load it up with all these mean words, like, you know, offensive and hurtful and terrorism, and then I'm gonna like throw it back at you <laughs> and you're supposed to be like, oh no, you're actually the real racist. And it's like, why can't we just talk like adults? Why can't we just speak like actual adults who are smart, but we can't. Well, that's, I mean, that's because there's an entire party that's just a bunch of children. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, you nailed it. Even with the college academics, you know, the people that yeah. are the top uh, that should be defending free speech the most are the ones that are trying to ruin it. So I think that's the conundrum that we're in. A very funny story. I, w- I just did a debate on this, and so I recall this anecdote in my research. There was a, the president of Harvard University, I think in the early 2000s, was addressing this economic form or giving a speech at some sort of economic event and somebody asked him during the Q&A why there was like a a gap between males and females in the hard sciences and he speculated that one of the reasons could be because males consistently outperform females in terms of like their uh, higher level math courses, Mm -hmm. the SATs, things like that. Mm -hmm. And there was a woman who was teaching at another prestigious university, I forgot, but she was interviewed by I think the Boston Globe as to how she reacted. This woman's an academic PhD. Instead of being like, he's wrong because of this data point, she goes, I was so offended I walked out of the speech. I just walk, I was so offended that I just walked out of the speech. And it's like, well, maybe it's because she's a woman, she had that type of reaction. But it's like also like, if he's so wrong, just say so. And so they put all this pressure on this guy. He had to resign from his job for accurately describing what is a biological fact. Mm-hmm. Wow. And she's kind of proving the point. Yeah. And, and this was 20 years ago. So conservatives, just because now we're feeling like the real wrath, we're like, mm. oh, my gosh. Orwell, this has been going on forever. This yeah, is going true. on decades ago. Yeah. All right. Uh, we got to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Wow. Yesterday at a Mojave County Board of Supervisors meeting over in Arizona, Supervisor Ron Gould said that he was told he would be arrested if he did not certify the midterm election in Arizona. Watch. Um, I vote aye under duress. Um, I found out today that I have no choice but to vote aye or I'll be arrested and charged with a felony. Um, I don't think that that is what our founders had in mind when they used the democratic process to elect our leaders. Former self-government, and I find that very disheartening. With your vote of four eyes and zero nays, you've approved item one B. Anything else for the good of the order? We're adjourned. 
Yesterday, uh, just to add to this, Katie Hobbs asked a judge to order Cochise County officials to certify the election, which she claimed is an obligation under Arizona law. Uh, so the county officials were refusing to certify this particular election. Um, and uh, two Republican county supervisors delayed the canvas vote until Friday when they requested to hear additional concerns over the certification of the ballot tabulators. And look, I, you know, it's just fascinating. Um, Hobbs is, by the way, required by law to approve the statewide canvas by next week, and Cochise votes would be excluded if they are not received in time. But you know, I just feel like this is sort of kind of the things that we were talking about when we said like, hey, it's probably a conflict of interest to put the person who is in charge of making sure that the elections are fair and safe and adjudicated properly, um, is probably a conflict of interest for that person to run for the office, the highest office um, in the state. I don't know, because maybe weird things will happen and maybe that person will like push uh, for judges to order this, these counties to certify the election. And by the way, if that's true, then th this is all just a charade. Like, if a judge can just order these people to certify an election when they don't believe that it should be certified, what the hell are we even doing? Like, why why even go through this? It's like, oh, we're just going through motions so that it looks like it's a democratic process, but it's actually not. Well, I mean, it's not a conflict of interest if that's who you chose for the governor position because you knew that you needed to use your power to certify the election for you. So maybe there's yeah. just an opportunity. Hey, look, if we use Katie Hobbs, we put her as a gubernatorial candidate and she controls the election, you know, it's right. a fact that you're going to win the election right. because she's the one that's regulating it. So, yeah, that's a great point. Yeah, it's interesting because as people who work in media, we tend to describe these things, really anything, in very like romantic terms, sometimes even hyperbolic because, you know, we want to be entertaining, we want to be interesting. But then when you take a trip to like DC and you have dinner with people who just work in politics, they're like, oh yeah, fortification, that's like a thing. And then you just go back to eating. <laughs> yeah. like, Wait, like what? Because there's always that like part of you that's maybe like, maybe I'm just, you know, toeing the line, maybe it's not actually. And then people who actually like work behind the scenes are like, yeah, this is like just a thing. And they're not as like in, in uh, enchanted by it. They're not like, oh, the spectacle. They're just like, yeah, this happens. But the difference is people on the right are like, this is bad. And the people on the left are like, yeah, this is really good. Yeah. Well, because they've been able to harness that energy and make sure that they are the ones who win out. So, um, I mean, everything's great, though, guys. Don't worry. Uh, the whole country is not burning down. I'm sure we'll get control of that somehow. Actually, um, Scott, um, why am I blanking on his last name? Pressler? Thank you. Scott Pressler oh, yeah. is like, oh, I'll, he's been traveling the country getting uh, people um, registered to vote and doing a really, really great job of like working for, I hate to say Republicans because I hate the Republican Party, but mm. at least the conservative viewpoints. And he's like, yeah, I'll travel the country and teach people how to ballot harvest and all these things. It's like, yes, that's what we need to be doing. Do what they're doing, but do it better. That's the only way out of this. Agree or disagree? Agree. Easily. I, I agree, but that just shows you that's, that's why politics is dumb because it's all rigged. You have to yeah. actually cheat to even compete, you know, competitively. Right. <laughs> uh, all right. I want to get to one more story here before we have to take another break. Um, Atlanta. Atlanta police have arrested a suspect who is alleged to have made terroristic threats against a local gay nightclub. Now, this what? transphobe, homophobic jerk, uh, Chase Staub, a contributor for the Huffington Post and a college admissions consultant with the Ivy Dean. Um, by the way, he's also a gay leftist. So I want to play for you. The local affiliate Fox channel uh, detailed some of the social media posts that led to his arrest here. Watch. 
APD says employees here at the Heretic gave them a call after the threat started spreading on social media. Take a look at this troubling video that police say the suspect posted to his Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> Screen recordings of the apparent threat spread quickly through Atlanta's gay community over the last few days. Detectives with APD's Homeland Security Unit identify the man holding the weapon as Chase Staub. Anytime we have verifiable th threats made against the public, we take that very seriously. Investigators say it's not a gun, but a pepper spray gun. <laughs> They're considered in the state of Georgia a terroristic threat. Police say the series of videos posted to Stop's Instagram story led to his arrest. So, of course, as you would expect, um, after the initial reports surfaced, uh, many claimed that this particular venue had been targeted because it was an LGBTQ nightclub. So I guess that man is just very, very homophobic, must be. Well, I mean, he was going to go there with his pepper spray gun, so I mean, at least their, you know, pizza would have you know, a little pepper to put on it or whatever is at that club. They have a little seasoning to add to their food. I don't know what they serve there, but yeah, obviously that guy's not really a threat, but we'll see. I'd like to know if his Instagram account is still up. If he, if he lost that, I wonder. Oh, I'd also like to know if he's going to be charged with a hate crime, as we were discussing, well, not we, but they keep discussing with this other recent Club Q shooting, is that we have to charge him with a hate crime. Yeah. We should also then charge this man with a hate crime as well. Yeah, totally agree. I don't even know what the legal justification, but just do it. <laughs> throw the book at him. I thought that this was going to be one of those stories where they like call in a threat to so that the business has the opportunity to be like, oh my gosh, we're being targeted. Because every time, you hear about these stories every week where it's always like this big hoax and then it turns out that it was a member of the supposedly victimized community that mm -hmm. did yeah. the thing mm -hmm. as a false flag mm -hmm. and then always. immediately the media just sweeps it under the rug. Like every single time. Yeah, well, uh, it was weird because I kept hearing about that, um, the Walmart shooting that happened over Thanksgiving break, mm -hmm. but but just but only on like Twitter. I wasn't reading anything in in the mainstream media. And then I, someone brought to my attention that the gentleman, I guess, was black, and I was like, oh, yeah, I was. I see. Uh, that's why they didn't want to report it. I had just it. done Tim Pool and I was in the hotel room and I heard, because I had the news on, and they weren't announcing the name of the shooter. And I think Ann Coulter, I think it's Coulter's law, that the longer it takes for them to announce the name of the shooter, the more mm -hmm. likely it is that it's a minority. And I yeah. was like, this guy, yeah, Walmart. Yeah. And there was like a manager going in. I was like, no, 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 no. Yeah, I mean, again, like really tragic. And obviously the guy was, was very mentally ill. I wouldn't blame it on the gun or, you know, some sort of uh, the Democrats or the Republicans or anything, but... Very fascinating that they didn't uh, they didn't report on that. It's just a very clear social experiment of what they will report and what they won't. And you know, with this guy with the pepper spray gun, he's just obviously looking for attention, and he got that attention. And you know, it's just come on, give me a break. They want to have fake outrage. Uh, you know, so, it's just a gay guy being dramatic. Okay, so do you think? No. <laughs> so do you think really quick, John? Um, to your point, the Club Q shooting, they still have not. I mean. The media has not really spoken very much about that particular no. guy. They've ju we've just learned from court documents that he's identifying as non-binary. Is there something to that? Because I kept going, okay, it's day three. Why do we still not have any any information? Yeah, well, that's the thing. They'll report on it long enough to plant it in people's minds right. as an, a thing that happened, right. but not long enough to really give them a sophisticated understanding of the whole event. Yeah. So people like us who follow the news pretty religiously will see things like, you know, a prior arrest for kidnapping the mother, right. the bomb threat, contact with federal agents, and we're like, wait a minute, this seems weird. But then before that can really reach the the consciousness of the masses, it's just, okay, on to the next thing. Yeah, so. yeah. All right, we gotta, we gotta take a quick break. We'll be right back. It's like Daryl Brooks. I mean, he was yeah. just... Uh, 
Yesterday, the Biden family unveiled the 2022 White House Christmas decorations, uh, of course, hanging their usual stockings for each of Joe Biden's grandchildren. Uh, curiously, there's one grandchild that is left out for the second year in a row. Uh, that would be the daughter of Hunter Biden, who he, of course, had with the stripper from Arkansas, I believe it is. So Hunter um, and ex-wife Kathleen Bull's children, Naomi Finnegan, Maisie, the children of, of course, the late Beau Biden and his widow Hallie, uh, Natalie and Hunter. And one stocking was labeled Baby which was a, an apparent reference to Hunter's two-year-old son, Beau, who he fathered with Melissa Cohen. Um, so, I, by the way, the dog made it, the cat made it, um, but unfortunately, the out-of-wedlock, uh, illegitimate, they would call her, grandchild of Joe and Jill Biden did not make the cut once again for Christmas. Wow. And, and I'm not sure if the baby gets Secret Service. I know the mom was trying to get Secret Service detail for the baby, but I'm not sure they would even allow that. So just think, being the most powerful man in the world, you can't even acknowledge your own granddaughter. Disgusting. And your decorations suck. Those aren't that good. They always suck. Well, Milani did a very Bring beautiful Bring Melania she did. back. She did do Bring Melania back mm -hmm. to do the decorations because she did know how to do it. Uh, what, but I mean, Jill Biden wears like curtains for dresses. So <laughs> yeah. is anyone surprised? <laughs> yeah. All right, thanks guys. Stream and subscribe to more Blaze Media content at theblaze.com slash podcasts.